Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Happy bye week, everybody. Chance to reflect. It's not kind of sound like the holiday season. Maybe this this week 14 bye is, is actually better time than you think. No, not, not quite. How bad, like how angry would you have been as a player to have a week 14 bye week knowing training camp started in july you've been going since july honestly when i was young i didn't care because i didn't know any better i think we had a really late bye in 12 i think it was like a no no that was the early bye maybe 13 it was like week late week and i remember mike did a good job of like trying to spin it to us man this is great man you know we're gonna be ready to make a playoff push that's when you want to take your break you don't want it early you don't want it in the middle you want it at the end of the season and i remember it was like my third or fourth year and i was like yeah yeah i want it i want it late in the season and then as i got older i realized he was just like pulling smoke and mirrors over me like you want it kind of like in the middle like a week 10 week nine buys like pretty solid because you're you kind of can refocus for the second half of the season uh i think there are advantages to a late buy um you know, like you said, like if you're banged up, you're really banged up now. So this this is comes at a nice time. I always didn't like it because I felt like it was kind of distracting in a way. It kind of took me out of the focus of the last home stretch. But, um, you know, I think that's just kind of different strokes, different folks. And uh, like I said, some I'm sure some of these guys don't even know any different. They're just like, oh, yeah, you know, week, whatever. Bye. That's that's awesome. Yeah. For this particular team having a week pass without a game that Benjamin St. Juice can't play in is great. Get yeah. him back. That is that is a, a phenomenally timed buy in that way. But I always remember a conversation I had with Lorenzo Alexander uh, at some point when, when he was still playing towards the end of his career. And he was like, yeah, because I think the Bills had an early buy. And like we were talking to him on the training podcast or something during the bye week. And he's like, yeah, it is, you know, it's only week four, week five, but realistically, this yep. is the midway point of the season because we've been in training camp since July. Um, the NFL, I think, has done a decent job of changing it up a little bit where, like, you now have that week between uh, the regular season and training camp ending. So you get, like, a little mini buy at the end of training camp before you get into your, your game week practices, uh, depending on how hard your coach wants to go there. But you have at least a little bit of time without a game. Uh, and obviously the last week of the preseason guys don't play a whole lot anyway. And then, you know, because everyone's playing so much Thursday night football now, like a lot of teams get kind of the, you have to play two games in five days to get there, which sucks, but, uh, you have the little mini buy after and, and Washington had one of those fairly early in the season after the Chicago game. Um, so there was kind of an extended stretch and, 
uh, now you get the the real buy uh, with a chance to get healthy and and go into New York. Well, New York has to play Philadelphia, which is uh, no treat. No, no treat, treat for them. <clears throat> All right, so here's what we're going to do on the podcast today. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a self-scout and kind of ask some of the questions that we've been getting asked and, and dive into the answers or some of the questions we've been asking ourselves in terms of what this team could do. Let's let's take the time to examine some of the tweaks they could make, get into some of the nuance of the adjustments that we hope to see to maximize this team's chances of winning down the home stretch. And Logan, without question, the number one guy topic uh, whatever however you want to phrase it at the center of all this is how do you get more out of this offense and how specifically can you get more out of taylor heineke and we had mentioned a couple things on wednesday's show that i wanted to circle back on uh there is the idea of running taylor a little bit more and there's the idea of getting a little bit more tempo in the offense which one would you rather start with um Running or tempo? I mean, we can start with running. I think that's like it'll be a quicker answer. The tempo thing is, I think, more nuanced. Uh, so with Taylor and running the football, I think obviously he's got a skill set for it, but he good running quarterbacks, especially today, they seem to have a proclivity or an ability to not take big shots. And Taylor, to my eye, has not shown that ability, right? He has not shown the ability to be like, okay, this is a dead run. Let me just slide down. Like, that's not really least to my eye in his nature and that's what you love about him that's why you like him as a competitor but also like look at jalen hurts like he'll run forward he slides down lamar jackson same thing that was one of the big uh, negatives of cam newton right is that he'd take too many big shots um and so i just look at that and i say like that's in my estimation as to like obviously he has a skill set right he has a skill set that would fit that he's fast he's athletic he's quick he seems to be able to read uh like do the zone read relatively well the problem is he exposes himself to big hits. And when you are on your second string quarterback, going to your third string quarterback is not a very viable solution, in my opinion. So you do have to kind of hedge a little bit. And as much as it adds to your offense, see, I think they could, they could, there's like an in between here. And this is something I think we can talk about in more detail. There's an in between because it's like you don't need to major in it the way that the New York Giants or the Atlanta Falcons do. But I do think you can use it in select situations to steal possessions. And so that's something else I would kind of say, like maybe do it once a game, twice a game, as opposed to five to seven times a game. Um, And again, if you can steal a first down off that, that'd be awesome. The other thing which I've thought about a little bit, and you know, I'm kind of backtracking something I said earlier is I don't know how well he reads it. I don't know how well he reads the defensive end, which is something that I think a lot of people just kind of assume is really easy to do, but it's It's not. not. Yeah, so that was that was one of the things I was going to tack on is I if you say he reads his own read well, okay. Um we can definitely, you know, circle back on that. I'm sure this is not the last time we'll get asked that question if you want to study that or, you know, yeah, talk yeah, to people yeah. whatever. Um but we know that RPO wise, he's not great at reading it. Uh, cuz yeah. we've seen how many times this year where we go back and watch the film and it's like, "Oh, that was an RPO. That wasn't a straight yeah. handoff." And the bubble is what should have happened or pulling it or whatever. And he just hands it off into the, into a bad run fit uh, Mm -hmm. or into a a bad run situation, which is by definition, what happens if you misread uh, the zone read or an RPO. And that's, that's not good. The the other thing though, that I love that you said is you don't have to major in it to do it. Right. And this is where I think a little bit would go a long way, which is actually going to be some on some level, my answer to the tempo question as well. If you just pulled it, once or twice a game you could probably steal some yardage because teams 
aren't playing you to pull it because you never do. So you're probably going to be able to get eight, nine yards pretty easy, if not something bigger, if, if they really blow an assignment. And you're obviously limiting your exposure as well. Uh, the other area, though, where I think Taylor could run more is something he did in his first couple of starts, which is scrambling. Mm. It seems like the scramble is completely out of his his repertoire now. He had a couple on Sunday, um, but scrambles are amongst the most valuable plays you have in football. And because they happen in, in a lot of like third down situations where your quarterback winds up picking up a first down, they have uh, an elevated amount of value. It also is something else for the defense to consider and, and think about. Uh, it is yardage that if you don't scramble, typically is going to be an incompletion because you throw it away or a sack. If someone was open, you would have thrown the ball. Um, and so it's a chance to get plus yardage on what would otherwise be at the very least neutral, uh, if not a negative play. And his mobility has certainly saved them from a lot of sacks in terms of like move a little bit, throw the ball away, whatever. But if he would kind of have more of a Daniel Jones-esque approach where I get to the back of my drop or the top of my drop, I look, if it's not there and my check down's not there, let me look to run. I think this offense would be more effective in general uh, because they would pick up more yardage and and defense would start to have to account for that in a way that probably opens up some other stuff. But just getting that yardage, uh, I think, would be very helpful. Yes, he's got to avoid the big hits. He has shown an ability to slide, so maybe it's not in his nature, but like he can do it. And I think Taylor's also shown it uh, over the course of the last couple of years that if he needs to do something, he will. Um, he's very, very highly coachable. So it's like, hey, man, run, but then please get down at your, your earliest convenience. Um, and so I, I think that little bit going a long way would be what I would say is is the the right amount they need to run him more but that does not by any stretch mean they need to major in it and that is because you don't want to overexpose him especially as a second quarterback i think that's such a great point and because he's not great at a lot of the design run stuff yeah and you know you're asking me about the uh the zone read element too you know i think we were both kind of referencing with the rpo thing the uh the minnesota game and they did some uh, zone read stuff in that game as well and it's hard to tell whether or not it's called from the sideline about whether or not he could keep it. Cause sometimes they have that action in the backfield, but it's a mandated handoff. So to be in fairness to him, I don't know exactly what they're calling. And a lot of teams will call it from the sideline because the quarterback's bad at actually reading it. So, um, but he, to my eye, he didn't make the correct read in that game as well with zone reads and RPO. So, you know, how comfortable is it? You know, like when he was playing in the XFL, he played in an offense that was very zone read heavy and he was the backup uh, in that offense. So maybe he just didn't have, kind of that ability to do that you mentioned the scrambling thing and i think that's really interesting because i agree like scrambles are obviously very very valuable and one of the reasons daniel jones has a scramble all the time is because he doesn't have a lot of skill position players right he doesn't have a lot of very very talented people and i think back to the games and and this is just off of the cuff so i haven't looked at this i don't know for sure but i don't feel like he has that many throwaways and i don't feel like he so basically what i'm saying is i feel like the skill position players in this offense are doing a good job of getting open and he's yeah. doing a good job of throwing with anticipation. So the need to scramble has not been there in the same way as it is for a team like the New York Giants, where he has to, Jones has to kind of create on his own. I think Taylor understands, I think Scott understands that these guys are good enough outside to win and win consistently. And I think that's that might be just as a bigger reason for him not scrambling. You know what I mean? Because he yeah, feels more more comfortable with the playmakers and obviously like i think every the reason it's come up so much is because in the red zone last week 
there's a, an opportunity for him to maybe scramble for a touchdown, like kind of in the in the low red zone there. And I don't I'm, everyone's like, oh, they should have scrambled. He should scramble. I think he gets smoked if he tries to scramble for for the touchdown there. But even on that play, there's a guy open in the back of the end zone that he kind of misses early in the in the sequence. Not necessarily because that's his fault, but is that I'm the saying, one he winds up throwing away out of the back? He throws away out of the back. Jahan yeah, I saw it. it's Jahan opens up and he's wide open, but it, he's getting pressure. And it's like, I don't know if he right. really had a chance to make that throw because he was Correct. already having to flush, which Correct. sucks because your guy gets open. Correct. And also like, that's one of those, it's, this is, we're kind of delving off into another question here, but like that play in spe- specifically shows something that for whatever reason, he doesn't do well in the red zone. Like he seems to throw with good anticipation in the field. But when he gets in the red zone, he, he he waits a little bit. So on that concept, this dagger concept, where you have like the the clear coming through and then the the, the deep in behind it, um, the window is 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 preserved. Like they've created the window, so you're really throwing to the window um, on as your foot hits the top of your drop. Once you hit your top of the drop, take a little hitch, balls out, right? And I think he has time to do that. He's he's throwing the receiver to the open space um, in the field. He does an excellent job of that. Same thing with the Bates touchdown a couple weeks ago, where he, um, or almost touchdown, where he throws it a little late to the seam and Bates is out of the back of the end zone. He should throw that with anticipation, knowing the window is there. And for whatever reason, he just seems a little bit more conservative in those situations. But I digress. So I really think that the scrambling thing might be coral- like a like a corollary to the fact that the skill position players are, are doing a good job getting open. Like there's there's places for him to go with the football. He's reading out the concept effectively. He knows where to go with the ball in the timing of the play in the field. So if you're doing that stuff, like I, I don't – I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't feel like he's holding the ball or he's throwing the ball away a lot. Yeah. Like there's opportunities for him to get the ball out of his hands. So that's a testament to the skill guys. That's a testament to Scott. That's a testament to his understanding of the offense. And if you're doing those things, you don't need to scramble that much. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I guess my, the situations where I'm thinking about him scrambling, because you're right. Um, it's not like you're Daniel Jones, drop back. It's not there. Let me climb the pocket and get out, get out right. the gap. Right. I think there are times he scrambles out of the pocket and he could commit to running sooner. And it's like, there was a play on Sunday where he, I think, either throws late out of bounds or throws late for, like, a two-yard completion. And I was just like, man, just run now. Yeah. Like, you know, if your tight end's in the flat two yards ahead of you, uh, rather than throw him the ball, and, like, he's he's got a guy that's bearing down on him, right? Would you rather throw him the ball and have that guy tackle or have your tight end turn into a blocker, block that guy, run around your tight end, and pick up three times the yardage, which goes from two yards to six, but, like, we'll take it yeah, and run right. out of bounds. And so I I think that there are times, especially scrambling to his right, where he's looking, looking, looking. And I get it because he is someone who can make those throws on the run. He can throw off platform. He can throw from different arm angles. Um, it's, does it look like it does when Mahomes does it or Allen does it? Of course not. Um, he doesn't have that zip on the ball, but he can make some of those throws, but because he's not nearly as accurate as those other guys, I'd rather often just take the positive gain and see him run a little bit faster, like make the decision to run faster. And instead of throwing one down the field that winds up 10 yards over someone's head, just take the five yards and run out of bounds or take the four yards and slide commit to running sooner if your first thing is not there as you scramble as opposed to letting the pursuit catch you and then and then having to either flip it out of bounds uh or throw it over someone's head or try to make some some squeeze throw that doesn't wind up working out yeah he does seem to have um 
just like thinking through some stuff. He does seem to have kind of cultivated a different approach when he's moving in the pocket. His eyes kind of stay downfield a little bit longer. And I think it is a weird juxtaposition to see Daniel Jones, who has kind of this year mastered that technique, right? Kind of mastered like it's there. Is it there? No, 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 no. I'm going to scramble for a six-yard gain. And like for that offense, those six-yard gains have become huge, right? Um it's interesting. I think the opportunities are down in those situations. I feel like he's kind of shifted. He's trying to be a passer, which mm-hmm. I like because that's what you want when you got these kind of playmakers. Sure. Um, but yeah, like that's I think that's something interesting to keep an eye on is like in those in that very small sample size of plays, if there's an opportunity for him to kind of maybe be more efficient in terms of his decision making, still looking for because that's what Daniel Jones is an excellent job of. He's looking to throw, but then he reaches a like that tipping point where it's like, well, no, nothing's there. Let me just get five and get yeah. out of bounds and i think that that would be something interesting to kind of go back and look at like how efficient has he been in those specific situations i don't feel like there's been a lot of them like in that 100 yeah, in, in the giants offense there's a ton of them you know that's basically their whole right. offense right right because uh, their skill guys can't get open right and and that kind of speaks to something else that maybe we need to talk about a little bit too is um you know they, they ran a lot of keeper. They ran a lot of like kind of this boot action, which puts him in a situation to do that. Like that's actually how Kyle used to coach our boots, right? It was like, you know, one to the flat, two to the over, and then if three is you running the football. Mm-hmm. And maybe giving him more opportunities to express that skill set on a simple half field read is maybe a way to get more out of him as a runner where he's not having to, you know, um, read the defensive end. It's like, you know, do what New York did. Block the defensive end, boot out, do your read, scramble for five yards. And that's, again, I think a very valuable tool. And Daniel Jones showed you why that's so effective. It's interesting, however, because I wonder if um, if, they are, if they are that worried about his durability that they just don't want him to run. That That's such a great point. It's something that I hadn't really given enough credence to, the idea that it's, you know, hey, He's your second string. We really don't want to play Hal as much as some people in the fan base are like, no, just play Hal. Um, you know, they don't want to have to play Hal. Now that Carson's back, that could be something that you open up, though, and say, right. like, all right, well, if you have to go back to Carson, we go back to Carson. Um, let's try to get the most out of Taylor. Um, but it, I, I think the other important point here is we're talking like one to three plays a game here, right? And yeah, in, yeah, in an offense yeah. where they're running 60 to 80, like right. they are they're doing a lot of good things. It is how do they open up the margins here a little bit so that they're not walking on the world's thinnest type rope that's also covered in ice each and every single week. Yeah. Um, they are like, let's just walk a type rope that's not a slippery, a slippery sheet of ice. Um, yeah, you're, you're like, looking for you're looking for edges. You're looking for inches, right? And so right. scrambling is obviously what I do think. I do and think and the, I think the, the design run stuff, um, yeah. I think if you could steal a first down, especially on a third down situation, you get like a third and four where you're kind of caught in this in between. Do we run it? Do we try to throw it with one of our traditional drop backs? Our drop back pass game is not very good. Like, okay, go zone read and and let yeah. Taylor pull it and, and get the first down. Or, you know, you get three yards, you get stopped a yard short. And if you're in the right area of the field, you go for it on fourth down. Right. Um, those are the kinds of margins that we're talking about here. And I, I think I want to be explicit about that to say, we're not looking for an overhaul of the offense. We're looking to make the existing offense, you know, 5% better. Right. And so to me, it's, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm installing an offense now at the high school that I work at. And it's, it's a very challenging thing because you can do literally anything you want. And so one, one thing I would, I would ask you, Craig, and I would ask the fans, you know, to, to comment on this is, is this the most efficient use of 
you know, 5% of your offense? Or is there another play variation that is more efficient that speaks to this skill set better, right? So what I mean by that, is there an opportunity to maybe develop a screen or a reverse or a jet or a, a keeper game or some type of play action derivative or, um, you know, like a, like a, they call it like a token play action derivative that you like more for those 5% of plays, which is kind of what we're talking about in terms of expanding and, and, and being critical of the offense. I think one of those derivatives for the current offense construction is probably more valuable. I'm not saying you don't run the zone read or you don't run the design quarterback stuff, but is one of those other variations more valuable to this offense? And I kind of think maybe, maybe if you look at it and you really break it down, you say, <clears throat> you know, if we, let's say you run the keeper game, that that's, five more easy throws a game and you give the opportunity to Taylor to run the football. I think that's way more valuable than a design quarterback run in the context of the current offense. Now, the way they run their run game, a keeper game doesn't really suit that very well, right? Because, you know, keeper game is usually off outside zone because you're moving the offensive front away and then you're kind of booting out to space. That doesn't really work off a duo tight zone, that kind of thing, right? So can they get to that even, right? And if they can't get to that, what's the next kind of philosophical approach you can get to so those are the types of questions i would postulate to you craig to the fans is is the design quarterback run the thing right everyone fixates on that but is it the thing that is is the true value add or the most value add right and I, my answer uh, to this point at my knowledge level would be they're already running some either zone read or it looks like zone read, but is actually a handoff because we're dictating to Taylor that he's got to hand it off. So the structure already exists within this offense to do that. And it's just literally once or twice a game, Taylor, pull it and run. Um, and that, that doesn't seem like that much of a lift. If there's even anything to remotely install other than Taylor, Hey buddy, you're going to, you're going to have the option to pull this one. Um, you know, you obviously could complicate it, uh, you know, and complicate it, add to it, let's say, um, by having a, a fullback come across or a tight end come across and block in the way that New York or, or Atlanta has their quarterback keeper game. Because I don't think you're, all, you're also not, at least I'm not, looking to run a quarterback sweep like the Giants do with Daniel Jones. Like no. that's, that's not something you're looking to do, it, it, some of this design quarterback run. To me, Taylor running the football comes down to two things that are already in the offense. It is pulling the occasional zone read, and it is... Uh, having him be a little bit more willing to run in scramble situations. That would be the two things for me where I'd adjust on the margins. And then if you want to talk about, okay, here's the other areas like you were talking about adding something that is more substantial, I would, I would then be very interested to hear like what that looks like and whether that's actually a good idea at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think this is like more for the uh, like the second half of this conversation because we still got to talk about the tempo. But I, like you know, even even like with the zone read thing, like if he's not uber comfortable with it, like Daniel Jones, what they did is they run a zone read action to a keeper, right? They, like they 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 get him there that way. And I think there to me those that type of wrinkle in this offense might. For the players, and again, I'm not the coach. I'm not in the building every day. These are mm -hmm. the types of things that they get paid, decisions they get paid to make. Might right. be running that play two more times in short yardage situation might be more valuable than having a play where Taylor doesn't feel super comfortable pulling it. Totally. Right? So that's what I'm saying is like you can get to some of this out-of-pocket, you know, movement stuff, kind of zone-ready, put the defense in conflict elements 
while still kind of dressing it in a different outfit, you know? And I think that's something that I would, I would, again, I would, I would, I would have fans think about it just because zone read is like the sexy thing. And we saw Marcus Mario to do it. We saw um, Daniel Jones do it. Jalen Hurts does it all the time. Is there something else that maybe Taylor's better at, more comfortable with, that would that would replace this kind of need for these two plays, right? That again, he can do more effectively. And, that, and that, that's the thing that I would, if I'm the OC, I'm really looking at that stuff because obviously, like we've talked about, he doesn't seem to have a very high comfort level with the zone read stuff. Now, the scrambling thing, I'm I'm on board with 100. Like because those are valuable plays, and that's just a slight shift in mindset, but. Mm-hmm. If we're going to use these plays in these critical situations on short short yardage situations, I've always made the assumption that he could do it. But there is there is a world, there is a universe yeah. where he just can't do it. So that would be my thought there is like maybe there's another variation of this kind of put the defense in conflict with the quarterback as a runner or a mover that is more advantageous for this offense. And I think we get caught up with this kind of sexy zone read RPO terminology that maybe um, – that maybe maybe is ineffectual with this skill set, but this yeah totally it, it, because the to to underscore this zone read or RPO and especially RPO requires a decision. In fact, yeah. the reason I say especially RPO is actually requires decisions. Yeah. First, do you run or pass? And if you choose to, or actually, you know, do you hand it or pull it? Right. And if you're pulling it, are you running it or are you throwing it? Right. Um, and, and so there's a multi-layered decision there depending on multiple reads. Zone read, you typically you know read the defensive end, and if he crashes, you pull it, and if he plays you, you hand it off. And so if you can have some of that action, something that looks like that, um, and accomplishes some of the same things while taking the decision out of it for Taylor. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah. Um, I I just think it's there. There is a skill set in an offense that is trying to be as efficient as possible and yeah. often not succeeding. Trying to maximize the skill sets available is sure. how you're going to achieve yep. that. And there is a running skill set with Taylor Heineke that is not being maximized. And I think you've brought up a ton of really good reasons why that might be the case and why that might actually be correct. In fairness to Scott and Ron, uh, as as often as we can criticize them from our seats, they just have more information than us and they are not stupid. Um, And so it's easy for us to sit here and be like, well, what about this? And they might be like, yeah, we see Howell every day. And if we play him, our chances are toast. We don't know that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Sam's look great in practice. Maybe it might, um, that's the I, thing is it might, we don't know. Right? We, we don't know. Um, but that there, they could for any variety of reasons, um, to ha- want him to not, not do that.